630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Tight end Rob Gronkowski coming out of retirement. A year left on his contract with the New England Patriots. So they have traded him to Tampa Bay reportedly for a fourth round pick. Tampa Bay also gets a seventh rounder. So it'll be Gronk and Tom Brady together again. Nine seasons as teammates with the New England Patriots. They won the Super Bowl three times together. Of course, Brady left for Tampa Bay last month and Gronk says, well, I'll come out of retirement, but only to play with Brady again. So uh, there you go. Tampa Bay getting one of the best duos in the National Football League, certainly of the last 20 years, maybe all time when it comes to passing and catching the football. Pretty significant move there. I will bring our next guest in to clarify, to get it straight from him, Kelly Rudy. Do you have any plans to end your retirement from pro hockey and get back in the goal? <laughs> Can you imagine what a disaster that would be? I, you know, I was completely done when I left the NHL in 1998 at 37 years old. I never thought one for one second about a comeback or coming out of retirement. I never, luckily for me, I was going into a different job. I was going right into broadcasting, so I didn't have any time to sit around. But that's really exciting. I, I didn't hear that, so. Uh, now there's a reason, another reason, I guess, to watch Tampa this year in the NFL, if and when that starts up again. And, uh, yeah, super cool. It's, uh, I guess I, I didn't do the story, but I, I know I watch it. Gronkowski happens to be a really big hockey fan. In fact, he was on Hockey Night a number of years ago because, if I'm not mistaken, he's from Buffalo, isn't he? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so he talked about skating as a kid and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, big news in the NFL, and you're right, uh, if and when uh, there is a season, but those are pretty big additions for uh, for Tampa Bay, for sure. Amherst, New York, actually, is his hometown, but I think that's, is that right outside yeah. Buffalo, or it's pretty close? I think close? it's a yeah. suburb, yeah. Yeah, it's a suburb of Buffalo, so that's, yeah, yeah. so that, that, that's, that, that is pretty interesting stuff. I, like, okay, I'll ask you a question here. Would you ever even let your name stand as an emergency goalie? Like, would you be the next David Ayer- Ayers? I would not. You know, uh, Reed, I have not put on the pads. Well, okay, like I said, I mentioned or I retired in 98. And the only time I ever had the equipment on again was for a TV project on Hockey Night called Basic Training. And that was in 2001. And I had uh, really gotten badly out of shape and put on some weight. And then I, a friend and I were at a pub one night. And he goes, you know what might be cool if you go back to training camp, say with the Calgary Flames or whichever team might uh, uh, bring you along, and you film it all, and then uh, and then it, it goes to air on Hockey Night in Canada, and you can show the people back home what a typical summer is like for an NHL player. And I thought about it for a minute. I thought, you know what, that would be pretty cool because it's not a life of leisure. You know, you, you think that uh, okay, you've got some time off now. Quickly, you're back into the training mode. And for me, uh, I was lucky because the Calgary Flames agreed to it. Greg Button was the general manager at the time, and uh, Greg Gilbert was the coach. I had played with Greg in uh, New York, so we had some familiarity. And so I started training on June 11th. And, geez, I must have been, Reed, I must have been about 14 pounds overweight already. And my body fat was excessive and so on. So 
By the time first day training camp was September 11th, I had lost all that weight. I was back down to like 188 pounds or something. My body fat was back to where it should have been. And it was a really cool project. I went to training camp for about five days or seven days or something with the Flames. We shot it. It happened to be a five-piece segment. And I had really great feedback. We had really great camera operators and producers working on the show. But that is the last time I've ever thrown on the gear. So... That, for that reason, no, I could not be the emergency backup. Uh, I, I love how you just say my body fat was excessive. I think that's there should be a point where you just stop giving you a percentage, where if your doctor or your coach or your wife or whoever says, what's your body fat percentage? Uh, excessive. You know, you don't need to give the number after a while. Well, it was funny because when I went for my medical uh, in the fall, the year that I retired, I was still, I, like I trained that summer, and, you know, it's hard to break those habits. But I go in for my physical, and my doctor goes, yeah, you're looking great and everything. You know, your cholesterol is perfect and your body fat, all this stuff. And he goes, you know, you're that kind of guy right now. You're so fit, you could probably have a burger for every day. The, the, this whole year and you know what i took his I took his advice <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> kelly rudy joining us on inside sports kelly one thing i get asked a lot over the last few weeks is is what do you talk about on your sports show and i always say to people well there's actually a lot to talk about there's still a lot of sports news mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately a lot of it involves cancellations postponements and yeah well what are we going to do next there was some pretty big news yesterday in Canada West Hockey, University of Lethbridge axed both its men's and women's hockey teams. I had Ian Reed from the U of A on last night for uh, for a little bit of reaction. And I know, you, Kelly, you're a player. I mean, you got to play in the NHL. You played highest level of junior hockey, but I know you respect all levels of hockey. And you and I texted uh, texted yeah. briefly uh, yesterday, and, and that one had your jaw dropping a little bit. It did. I was really surprised, caught off guard. I didn't expect it. Uh, I really feel for those uh, student-athletes and uh, the commitment they've made to the program. And uh, either they're recruited to uh, be a pronghorn with the University of Lethbridge or they they chose it because they thought it was such a great program and a nice fit for them. I really feel for those people because this is a big blow to them. And, uh, you know, I have to admit, not long ago, I was uh, invited to be one of the guest speakers at the Pronghorn uh, Charity Breakfast. And, you know, what really struck me, and I'm not making this up just because I'm talking about their program now and we're on the show and after this news. What really struck me that morning is just the pride I could feel in that room. And everybody, they they love being a part of the, the Pronghorns uh, sporting programs and all of them. It wasn't just hockey. It was every single sport in there at the banquet. And, 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 you know, I will say this about the administrators, um, and I don't know the ones that have, have made this decision, but I spoke to, I suspect, most of them, if not all, and they were very, very proud of not only their hockey programs, but all the other sports. So I really think that this decision must have been made with a heavy heart. And they must have uh, scrutinized every single aspect of the school and, and with the budget cuts from the provincial government, wondering how we can maybe stave this off or do something differently. So as badly as I feel for the student-athletes, I do feel for the school because I don't think this is a first option for them. And I, But by the way, when you sent me that clip about Ian Reid from U of A, that, that really warmed my Now, there is an aspect in that that caught my attention and that's the alumni and what impact they have 
and ensuring that sports they don't have to take a year or two or three off or canceling programs and and so he did make the point though but but what happens we're unsure if their businesses are struggling so we're not going to get the same sort of contribution so it's a really complicated thing i think all of us uh, would agree uh, we wish there were other options but unfortunately for U of L, they felt this was the only one and hopefully they can find a way to uh get it back on track here soon yeah, that, that that was tough to see. I mean, I, I love U Sports, and I've been watching Canada West Hockey ever since uh, I started going to the U of A almost almost thirty years ago. But they yeah. are. I mean, and again, we, we you know the the government funding is one thing, and not all the funding for athletics comes from the government. We should specify yeah. that, but it is a, a pretty fair chunk that they've that, you yeah. know they they certainly uh, like to have. And then obviously with the the pandemic and not even knowing if you're going to play games and have the gate revenue and stuff like that, that that's another other thing for sure kelly uh tonight on sportsnet they're well they're going to be showing a few series over the next few weeks but the oilers and philadelphia flyers from 1987 is going to be one of the series they went seven games the Oilers eventually won ron hextall was the flyers rookie goaltender who won the con Smythe trophy as playoff mvp hasn't happened often that a member of the losing team in the cup mm-hmm. final wins playoff mvp um, you know, what a lot of people talk about Ron Hextall, they remember a couple of things that he actually like legitimately scored goals because he was an awesome puck handler and that yeah. he could snap whether he was uh, slashing Ken Nielsen or going after Chris Chelios or chasing Rob Brown. Uh, you, I imagine though, you knew him, you certainly you knew him as opponent, but you, you, you did, wasn't it the 87 Canada cup. You guys were both backing up Grant. Yes, indeed. So how's this for uh, a weird coincidence? So when you sent me that text today about what we're going to talk about and the Oilers and Flyers in 87. So last night, my beautiful wife Donna goes up to bed and I'm going to go back downstairs and have a glass of wine and do my usual watch uh, YouTube or some old hockey or something. And the series I chose last night was the Flyers in Edmonton in 87. So I'm really familiar with this series and what happened and, and so on. It was a great series to watch. And so, uh, okay, so now going to uh, Ron Hexall. Uh, we, were, we were teammates in 87 at the Canada Cup, and I got to know him. But going into training camp, I thought I was going to hate him. And I was wondering how we were actually ever going to try and get along because – we had played against each other only for the one year because that, that was after his first year in the league. And so he's at the other end of the ice every time we're playing against each other. And I'm going, I don't like this guy. Like, I don't like his mannerisms. I don't like how cocky he is. And then when I got to know him at the Canada Cup, the opposite was true. He was not cocky. He was very humble. He had a great sense of humor, which I don't think most people knew because we always thought of him with that really fiery attitude and, and temper and so on. But man alive, we got along so well. We hung out together a ton because Grant was playing all the games. And so Ron and I rotated every single game for uh, as the backup. And, you know, we had a lot in common. We weren't playing, but uh, we really got to know each other. And what really surprised me, and I know most people wouldn't know this because we're really good and really secretive, every single game we played against each other down the road, during warm-up, we'd get to center and we'd do our stretching, and we wouldn't let any, we wouldn't look at each other, but we'd just have a nice little conversation, like, "Hey, how you doing? How's the family?" and all that. We we're very professional about it, 
but uh, yeah, he uh, turned out to be a really good friend, and I, I kind of miss him because he's not around the rink right now. While he's uh, going to be looking for work, but real awesome guy. Was there any like when you played, and especially when he came up in in, in the late '80s into the early '90s? Was there any but any goalie even close to him? In, in puck handling? I, I certainly can't remember. I mean, eventually we had the Brodeurs and the Turcos and the Mike Smiths. I, I, I don't even know if I could tell you the second best puck handling goaltender from that era. Well, uh, I never toot my horn, Reed, but I think you're talking to him. Yeah. So I played the puck a ton. I just didn't overplay it because I personally, I thought that Ron did on occasion. I, same as uh, Mike Smith on occasion. I think sometimes there's a, a, a real balance that you have to try and find and you know i gotta tell you most people don't think of mike vernon as a great puck handling goalie but i had the good fortune of playing with mike and against mike for a long long time and he could really fire the puck as well but the one thing that he really recognized uh keep it really simple play the puck when you need to but most often the guy that's closest to you with a regular uh, stick he's the guy that should be passing the puck so you know, it was really fun to play with Mike that one year because he just he had such a good feel of not overplaying the puck. And uh, so, but but Ron took it to a, no, a new level. There's no question. I mean, in terms of firing the puck down the ice, oh man, I had never seen anything like that before. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's the thing. And I, you know, we have, if I'm sure everybody's seen highlights of the goals he actually fired into the net, and they were yeah, <laughs> like it's not like they trickled over the goal line. Like they, they hey, I've they got it. Yeah, right. I've got another one that just came to mind. Another Edmontonian, Pete Peters. He was awesome. In fact, Pete Peters is the reason why, in my opinion, shooting the puck over the glass is now a penalty. Because I don't know if many of your listeners would remember, but back in the 80s when Pete was playing for uh, Philadelphia or Boston in particular, uh, whenever there was any sort of pressure in his own zone and he was around the puck, he just threw it into the stands and it was so obvious. But uh, And that's the reason I think the NHL went to that penalty, but... Uh, which I don't agree with, by the way. I think all of us know that have been around the game of hockey what's intentional and what isn't. I don't. I don't remember Peters doing that. I'm, I'm glad you told that. Oh, yeah. I, I do remember Pete as a goalie, though. He was he was pretty good. The the '87 playoffs were uh, memorable for you. We we've talked uh, in the past about the four overtime game you and the yep. Islanders won against Washington, and then I forgot I'd forgotten you took Philadelphia to seven games yep. in the second round. But then you, you went into the Spectrum and they. They, uh, they beat you pretty good in the seventh game of that series. You know, I let in a terrible goal. That that broke our back. So uh, we fought back from down 3-1 in the series. We tied it up 3-3. We go to the Spectrum, perhaps my favorite building in the entire league to play in. Uh, we had won two, ga- two games in that series in the Spectrum. And so going into game seven, I'm feeling really good about myself and Philly got a real quick jump on us. They were up 2 nothing, And then I believe it was Brad Marsh took a shot from the left point. <clears throat> I had a clear view of it. It was probably going about two or three inches wide to my right. And I was going to get the paddle of my stick on it and just deflect it even more so behind the net. And hopefully one of my defensemen is going to be able to pick up the puck and get it. And I deflected the puck right into my own net, right off the paddle of my stick and it was three nothing at that point and we were pretty much done we ended up losing that game five one i believe but you know i was so mad at myself for giving them even more 
of an advantage. And uh, I, to that, to this day, when I look back on that game, I was the reason why we we couldn't come back. Brad Marsh, uh, yeah, I found I found the old summary here. It says shorthanded. He and Brian Prop must have scored shorthanded on the same on the same penalty kill. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so they, they jumped on you in the first 11 minutes in that one. Yeah. I'm going to close it off with a text here we got from a fan, Kelly, 7804960063. This person says, I remember every summer when Kelly would come back home and skate with guys in Edmonton such as Jim Thompson. <laughs> and yep. Kelly, would, Kelly would play out, and this texter says he was actually very good and had pretty good hands. He reminded us of Luke Robitaille, just not as good. How about that? <laughs> well, I probably skated about as fast as Luke, too, so we're all good there. <laughs> I just didn't have the natural scoring ability that Luke had. But, uh, man, those are good days. I loved uh, going to uh, the Anderson Arena and playing, uh, I think it was like three bucks, I think, for a couple hours or something. So a great way to spend the afternoon. My brother started coming out quite a bit uh, as well, so it was so fun. Awesome. Hey, Kelly, hope you and the family are doing well. Thanks again for checking in. Always appreciate your stories and your perspective. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, take care, Reed. That is Kelly Rudy, former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers, and of course grew up here in Edmonton, so he always has a tale or two about that. Those 87 Stanley Cup playoffs, those were, you know, look, all all the playoffs have intense games and, and memorable series, I would say that's a year that that stands out for me a little more than other years. I I mentioned the game on April 18th. Well, it it started on April 18th. It ended on April 19th. And that was Kelly and the New York Islanders beating Bob Mason and net for the Washington Capitals in four overtimes. Pat LaFontaine finally got the game winner. Kelly Rudy made 73 saves in, uh, in that game. Um, the Oilers beat the Kings in the first round that year. Uh, in, in the second round, you had Montreal and Quebec go seven games. That was memorable. We talked about the Islanders and Flyers going seven games. Toronto had a 3-1 series lead on Detroit in the second round. The Red Wings came back uh, to win. The conference finals was Montreal and Philly. And the, the road team won five of the six games in that series. The Oilers lost game one at home in the Campbell Conference Final to Detroit and then won the next four games to take the series in five. And then the Stanley Cup Final, very intense. And uh, the Oilers had a 3-1 series lead. Philly ties the series, and then the Oilers win game seven, 3-1 on home ice. Memorable goal from from that series, uh, probably about two and a half minutes left in the third. How much time was left? About 2.24. Got the summary here online. Uh, Glenn Anderson cutting through the middle right to left, Slap shot from between the circles goes under Ron Hextall to uh, seal the deal. The Oilers were by far the better team in that game. The Flyers got an early power play goal up two men, and uh, Edmonton wound up out shooting Philadelphia 43-20 to win what at that time was their third Stanley Cup. You can reach out by calling or texting 780-496-0063. We're back after the break. League Bantam Draft tomorrow, 10 a.m. They're going to be holding it online. The Edmonton Oil Kings will have the 20th pick in the first round. Don't have a pick in the second or third rounds. They have two in the fourth. The finalists for the four Broncos Memorial Trophy for Western Hockey League MVP, Dylan Cousins of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, 85 points in 51 games. Adam Beckman of the Spokane Chiefs, 107 points in 63 games. The uh, four Broncos Memorial Trophy winner will be named May 20th. And yeah, if you missed it off the top, 
off the top, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski reunited in Tampa Bay. Gronk at age 31, coming out of retirement, has a year remaining on his contract, so the Patriots are trading him to Tampa Bay. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Inside Sports come to you from a spare bedroom in my house. Certainly unique. Got all the equipment I need. Got Kellen Kennedy back at the studio. What else do you need for a show, Kellen? I got a microphone, I got a computer, and I got you. We're we're good to go. Yeah, we're ready. We we've been rocking and rolling for the entire night, so I am doing excellent. You you are not seeing a lot of people at work, or are you okay with the isolation? I am because they got some classic Oilers hockey on. Uh, Paul Coffey has just scored for the Oilers, and Gretzky is very happy about it, so it's all good. See, I I'm set up here in my spare bedroom where well, I suppose I could I could stream something on my phone or the or the laptop if I wanted, but I I don't even have a TV in view. I tried to put as few distractions as possible because I didn't want to be in the middle of an interview and be like, oh, there's that Spider-Man comic I never read, and grab that and pick it up or something. <laughs> so so I've kept my my work place pretty barren nice. uh, my workspace pretty barren which is okay hey uh really pleased to have these next two gentlemen on the show we have chris morris the head coach of the u of a golden bears football team and offensive lineman carter o'donnell as well and it's going to be a big uh, week and a half or so for carter carter welcome back to inside sports how are you doing good things how are you pretty good chris nice to have you on the show again how are things with you things are great Reed. how about you I'm doing very well. It's it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. Uh, Carter, I'm just going to start with a question for your coach. I'm going to let him field the uh, the high hard one out of the gate here um, before we get into Carter's uh, story and what's coming up for him. Chris, uh, the University of Lethbridge cut their hockey programs yesterday. Your athletic director, Ian Reed, joined me on the show last night. He said he does not expect the U of A to cut any any teams because of the provincial budget cuts, but he said there may have to be changes in in the way teams operate, whether that's, you know, how coaches are paid or looking for different areas uh, of, of funding. I, I, you know, just as another coach in the conference, I know hockey's not the, the sport you, you're involved in, but just sort of your reaction to seeing the pronghorns hockey teams go and uh, how you're sort of looking ahead to the potential impact of uh, of of you know changes here of, of less funding as we move towards the football season well it's always tough to see teams go because the kids on those teams committed to those programs you know they they signed up with with Lethbridge with the intent that they were going to go there and play hockey and use hockey as part of their development as, as university student athletes so it's always tough when that happens and you know heart goes out to those kids and to that you know obviously that that decision wasn't made lightly by the university uh, you know, it, it, it's it's tough times in Alberta right now. Um, I think that uh, when you look at it and you look at the, the University of Alberta in particular, we've been so, so blessed with our model involving a, a, heavy, a heavy dose of community spirit and community involvement. If you look at all the programs that are at our school, our community, the community of, of Edmonton and Northern Alberta and, and Alberta in general, recognize how important it is for for these student athletes to get the experiences they do playing sports and and being involved in it at the highest possible level in the country. And, you know, that support has always been so, so strong here in this region. 
And, and, you know, you take a provincial government who comes in and make massive cuts to post-secondary education, and then you combine that with this COVID crisis we're going through right now, and it really puts us in a really tough spot because it's hard to go out right now and, and talk to alumni and talk to people who have been involved with our programs who generally would be very supportive. Normally when we go talk to alumni, they've been, they've been part of something so wonderful when they participated at U of A and were part of the University of Alberta athletics programs that they're willing to contribute. And that's why we have such huge donations and, and such huge corporate support for those programs. Right now, obviously, that's dried up for everybody. And everybody's on hold a little bit. And you combine that fact with the fact that the provincial government's cut back so strongly from the support of post-secondary. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And it's, it's unfortunate. It's really, really nice that that, uh, that Ian has come out strongly and said we're not going to be cutting any programs. And that, you know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna see this thing through, and we're all gonna have to tighten our belt. We're all gonna have to figure out a way to make this work. It's uh, it's unfortunate that it's happening, but but you know, I'm I'm sure here at U of A we're gonna make the best of this thing and make it uh make it the best possible experience for everybody. Yeah. Okay. Chris Morris, uh, U of A football coach and uh, one of his top players from the past few seasons, offensive lineman Carter O'Donnell on the line. Carter, man, this is an exciting time for you. Um, the First of all, the, the NFL draft. And I know there's some speculation you, you, you could get picked. You, you just don't know for sure, I suppose. Tell us about what you've heard from, you know, any NFL teams. Are you sensing some interest there? your approach for this weekend first of all uh yeah um i'm not too sure yet uh i guess we'll see um you know obviously i've been talking to teams and doing uh, like zoom interviews or facetime um yeah kind of just uh i guess when the 25th rolls around we'll we'll see all right so what if you don't mind like what what kind of stuff are they asking you are these the uh some of the if you were a tree what type of tree would you be type questions or what what, what are they after here uh no i see majority of the questions kind of just focus around them trying to get to know me and you know who i'm as persons uh they want to see kind of how i grew up um uh yeah just uh kind of what kind of home life i had uh uh, like what I'm taking in school, uh, my hobbies, kind of stuff like that. They just want to really get to know who I am. They can see how I play and stuff on film, so they're not too interested in that. Um, I've had a few go over some uh, just protections and stuff like that to see how well I can pick it up. Um, yeah. And, and do you mind telling us how many NFL teams maybe you've kind of been in contact with? Um. Uh, I talked to my agent, and I think we've talked to about uh, 18 teams. Oh, wow. So over half the league. All right. So that, so that's pretty cool. Chris, look, as a coach, you you want to you wanna turn out productive young men, whether they pursue football or pursue uh, a non-athletic career. But, I mean, the NFL is the, the biggest football league in the world, so – uh, you know what are you thinking that you know you just said about 18 NFL teams have talked to a Golden Bears player? Yeah, it's it's great news for for the program and you know for Carter. You know Carter's put an incredible amount of work in and and you know he's he's a great athlete, but he he certainly has has worked at this thing and 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 turned himself into a great player. So it's it's one of those things where we're all proud. Like everybody in our program, like the, the kids that played with him when he first got there, all the way up to the kids that are playing with him now and seeing him off. Everybody's really, really proud of him, and we, we just hope that he, you know, does really, really well. And at the end of this whole thing, that he feels good about that whole experience, right? And that's 
that's all you can ask, right? These the guys come into play, and you want them to, to play at the highest possible level they can get to. Well, he's going to get a chance, hopefully, to play with some of the best in the world. And that's, you know, what a, what a great opportunity. Chris, have the NFL clubs talked to you, too? Do they want to know what you as a coach, what your experience has been with Carter? Yeah, they've talked to me quite a bit about just, and, and you know, mostly it's, again, they, they see the film, they see him play, so they talk about his character, and they talk about what he's all about, and they talk about, you know, what sort of young man he is, and, you know, you know, Carter's, Carter's fills the boxes, Carter's a 10 out of the 10 in all those areas, you know, you know, they, I think down there, they, they deal with lots of kids who get into trouble, and lots of kids who, they have to worry about things that happen maybe off the field, and that's never, ever a concern with Carter, he's just such a good kid, and so, so well-rounded, and such... You know, like he's on track to graduate to get be a teacher in science as well. Like he, he's he's got kind of everything going. He's got a good perspective on this whole thing. So it's it's wonderful to have those sort of conversations about him. Carter, and then the CFL draft is next Thursday, and anybody can Google CFL mock draft or Google your name, and uh, it seems like a pretty safe bet you're going to go high. I hope you don't mind me saying that. Are are you competitive enough? with the other guys in the draft class that, that you want to be the number one overall pick or how are you thinking about the CFL draft? Um, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I've put in enough or I'll put in a lot of work and, uh, you know, really showing what I can do. So, um, yeah, I'd love to go first row overall. And um, I think I compare really well with the other guys. Um, yeah. Now you're you're from Red Deer. Dare I ask where your CFL allegiances lie? Um, I was actually born in Calgary, so I did grow up a little more biased towards uh, Calgary. Okay, uh, Chris, let me put it this way: I mean, like I, I I saw you guys play one game live last year, and and I see highlights and stuff. I'm certainly no O line expert. How would you describe Carter to people? How would you describe his playing style? Uh, he's, he's a complete player. You know, he's, he's big, he's physical, he's violent, plays very, very hard. You know, and it, it's it's when you put all those sort of things. Some kids have the right mind for the game. Like, they play the game the right way, sort of an old-school way of playing football. And But they're not quite physical enough to really, really dominate. But w- when you put it in Carter and, and, you know, the athleticism he has and the quickness and the strength and all those sort of things, then you put that mentality in to play the game and to really, really play the game with an edge and a, with a lot of physicality, you know, you got something. And that comes through on his film. You watch his highlight tape and it's really, really, it's just dominant film. Like most guys, you know, they put a clip like that together, one or two of them in their whole career. And, they, you know, that's a great deal. Like he's got clip after clip after clip of just complete domination. So it's, you know, it, to me, he's a complete player and a, just a dominant player at this level. Carter, your coach just used the word that, you know, violent. Sometimes you have to be willing to uh, get a little nasty there in in the trenches. Is that something you had to learn as a lineman? Because it's not always easy for for players to maybe to escalate it to the and then have the you talk about playing with an edge to play with the edge that is necessarily needed. Did you have to learn that or did you always have it? Uh, I like to think I always had it. Uh, you know, kind of, I think I'm a you know, nice, collected, uh, you know, easygoing guy. But then, you know, kind of once put the helmet on, you know, it's uh, it's go time. So, you know, how I how I always thought about it. Well, that, that's interesting to hear. And, and Chris, I'm going to reference a guy you know. Uh, Kevin Lefstrud was on the show last night. 
Uh, the, have you seen the story about him making hand sanitizer, by the way? <laughs> you should check that out. <laughs> he's, he's, it doesn't surprise me at all, but I have a story. <laughs> he's, he's, he, he's got the distillery where he makes the honey-based liquor, and now he's making hand sanitizer because we need hand sanitizer with everything we're going there. But, but uh, Chris, you know, just to tie that all together, and Kevin said he was a hockey player who then started playing football, and then he had to sort of adjust to a whole new level of uh, of a violence and, and competition to play like he did in U sports and then in the Canadian Football League. And I imagine you see young men specifically on the O-line or D-line that it's, it's sink or swim time, right, when you're getting pushed around. Yeah, there's just such a physicality to our sport. Like, it, you know, you look at boxing and you look at wrestling and you look at football and it, it's – someone has a piece of territory and you have to displace them from there. Like that's what that, or, or someone's trying to get to someone, you have to protect the quarterback, you know, like it's, it really is a physical, physical game. And there's, 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 it's as close to being in a fight and and as close to being in, in like a boxing match or a combined wrestling match or anything like that, as you can probably get to. So guys who play it and guys who can play with that edge, tend to be better at it and that's just the way it is and it's it, you know some guys some guys can play physical and some guys can play really really technical and when you combine the two then you get someone who's an elite level player and that's what i think we have with carter here is you know he's 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 become a more and more of a technician as the years have gone on and he's always played with a real physical edge and that's that's i think where where it sort of sets him apart that combination of the two Carter, if when you if you don't mind me asking you to look back a little bit here, what's what's been the best part about being a Golden Bear for you? I'd say just the the whole experience from uh, from coming in as uh, you know a young kid and uh, developing into a young man and just kind of all the friends you make and uh, just kind of the whole, the whole experience. I guess I'd say. And, and now, do you still have a year of eligibility left if you want to come back for one more as a Golden Bear, or is this it? Uh, yeah, I have one more year left. Okay, so Chris, you gotta, you, I guess you gotta wait and see what happens then with this guy. <laughs> yeah, we're not getting him back. <laughs> <laughs> so we've sort of moved on already from Carter O'Donnell. We figure that you know we're cheering him on and hope for the best of him. But if he comes back, it'll, my foot will be up his butt to get him out the door. He's not coming back to us. He's got bigger, uh, better uh, things ahead right now. Ed Carter, are you in the process of finishing your degree? What what's going on there? Yeah, I got about uh, I got about nine classes left, so um, I have to come back at some point and get those done. Okay, and and are you are you like are you doing online stuff? I mean, obviously this has affected the whole the pandemic's affected the whole schooling aspect of for for thousands of kids too. Yeah, yeah, I'm just finishing up some uh, final exams. Uh, one more on the 23rd, and that's about it. Okay. Well, thanks for making time for us instead of studying. I hope this is a nice break for you. Uh, you guys are you guys are both football, so I, I got to ask you about the big story of the day. What do you think about Gronk coming out of retirement to be reunited with Brady? Chris, how good is that? Like, I think that's uh, yeah. It's always fun to watch those guys. Like, I remember when Deion Sanders decided to retire, and then he came back and he played till he was almost forty years old. Right? I I love those guys who are just better than everybody else who just play it out and they keep, they can play for a long time because they're just way better than the other. Even when they start getting old, they're still as good or better than the guys who, are, who they're competing against. Right. And I, I thought Gronk left some money on the table when he retired. I think it's, it, it, you know, 
it'll be fun to watch him play. It'll be fun to watch him play now with a year off with his body healed. And, you know, and yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty productive for those guys. But Carter, I guess from your perspective, it's, it's really the old line that allows those guys to shine, right? Of course. all right well carter tell you what i have a feeling we're going to be talking again next week at some point to get some reaction from you about whatever happens in one or both drafts so keep your phone close by for another call from jed sound good sound great thanks for coming on chris good to hear from you as well you too thanks very much Carter O'Donnell, star offensive lineman for the Golden Bears football team. 18 NFL teams have uh, have talked to him. He, so he could be maybe a late-round pick, uh, probably looking at Saturday for the NFL draft. It goes Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then he's he may go number one in the CFL draft next uh, Thursday. I, I can't see him going lower than third, which, which you know, Low is not really kind of a paradox there. But, uh, yeah, outstanding player. Been great for the U of A Golden Bears. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. You can reach out by calling or texting 780-496-0063. Ten minutes before eight. It's Inside Sports on Chet. So we'll keep an eye on Carter O'Donnell, NFL Draft this weekend, CFL Draft next Thursday. He's had a great career as an O-lineman for the U of A Golden Bears football team. Gronkowski and Brady reunited in Tampa Bay. Gronkowski comes out of retirement and is traded to the Buccaneers. WHL Bantam Draft tomorrow. They're doing it online. It'll be at 10 a.m. Oil Kings pick 20th. In Ottawa today, Canada's Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. Teresa Tam, was asked when... Canadians could expect pro sports to return in some form in this country. So right now, uh, together with all the chief medical officers of health, we are looking at um, the next um, phase, if you like, um, again, stressing extreme caution in how uh, we have to keep going right now with the measures that we have. We know that population immunity is not going to be high, um, so that we have to move extremely carefully. I think uh, we will be looking at all different kinds of community settings or activities and providing a, well, I, I think that it has to be a sort of risk-based uh, approach, a risk assessment, um, and that will include um, uh, this area. Um, so, but I think as uh, some of these innovative thinking is uh, go, coming together, um, these are some of the ideas. Um, but again, that two-meter distance and ensuring that we don't spread the illness is extremely important, whichever solution people are going to think of. So um, absolutely, I think um, every sector um, should begin some thinking about how uh, innovative they can be in maintaining that social distance because we don't have uh, other specific measures um, to um, treat or uh, this virus or the vaccine. So so any... Um, sort of um, the new normal must take into account of stopping the spread of the virus like we have now. So, um, but um, I think it's 
the, the, the other perspective I have is, is just engaging um, the communities and the uh, sectors that are looking at their own specific situations because public health can't possibly assess every setting. Uh, we can provide guidance uh, as to how you maintain safety and, and, and the health um, and of the population and, and the clients or the people that they serve. All right, uh, a little bit there from uh, Dr. Teresa Tam, Chief Public Health Officer for Canada. I don't know if she really answered the question about when pro sports could be back, but that's what she had to say. Kurt Hill, the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, looking ahead to tomorrow's WHL Bantam Draft. We feel we have a lot of picks this year. We 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 don't have a second or a third. We have our we have our first pick. We moved that third in the Alexander deal. So now we have two fourths. But it's uh, one thing that we take into consideration was this year in the U.S. draft we had the third overall pick, which uh, you know was a very high pick in that draft, which almost acts as like a second round pick in the uh, Canadian draft. So uh, you know we still feel like we have a lot of picks this year. Um, I don't know if we're going to find another deal uh, before, before 10, 10 a.m. tomorrow, but never say never. There seems to be lots of conversation. And uh, the one thing with the, with the 20-year-olds is when deals come along, you have, to, you have to really consider them because sometimes if you wait too long, you end up uh, having a free agent on your hands, and like we did last year with Miscue. All right. WHL Bantam Draft tomorrow. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio operator. Dave Campbell is a producer of Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. Back with you from 7 to 8 tomorrow night. Really appreciate you tuning in. Have a wonderful evening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.